What's up, my little mistakers, and welcome to the Humor in Mistakes podcast. I'm your host, Donovan McNeil, and each week my co-host and I, Andrew Gleason, have a guest on our show who opens up about mistakes that they've made in their lives. And Andrew and I laugh at them with the hopes that you, our little mistakers, will find out that mistakes are just fine and not be so scared to make them. Let me start out by saying shout out to our sponsor, Trolley Stop Hot Dogs on Franklin Street in North Carolina. Go get yourself a delicious hot dog from them and tell them humor in mistakes sent you. You'll get a discount. Our guest this week is Stephanie Stewart. She's a very funny comedian, and she talks about learning to be your authentic self and accepting who you are and being okay with people not being okay with who you are. Also, she's the best baker in North Carolina, so you should take a listen. Hello, my little mistakers, and welcome to the Humor in Mistakes podcast. I'm here with Stephanie Stewart, baker, comedian extraordinaire. I just found out you were a baker, by the way. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. Last night, remember? Oh, yeah. I was so, I was like, I don't want to say I was shocked, but like, I didn't know that. Like, I thought you were a teacher. I was. Well, then I was halfway right, I guess. Yeah. Well, I'm still c- tutor, so I'm still kind of a teacher. Oh, see, there we go. Yeah. So I wasn't like no, all you were the right. way wrong. You were right. My co host, Drew Gleasy, is here. How's it going? I'm doing well. I want people to start calling you Drew Gleasy. You know what? I'll take it. I like I like that. I like uh, I like nicknames. Are you a fan of Drew Gleasy? I mean, I think it works. Drew, for sure. You're not one of the people that I refer to by first and last name, generally. Okay. I feel like you have those friends that you always say first and last name and friends that you only say first name. I will call you S squared. S squared? I've gotten that before. Really? I'm oh, good damn. with that. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. No, no. No, you are the first person to think of it. You were an innovator. <sighs> Stephanie. I'm so glad. You don't have to boost my ego. I don't need it. <laughs> uh, you know... I'm gonna call You're you a comedian, of course yeah. you do. <laughs> I'm gonna call you Beef Stew. I I don't love that one. <laughs> <laughs> so you're here because you've made mistakes in the past. Yep. That's the name of the show. Absolutely. Uh, so to get started, let's just find out like a little bit about Stephanie Stewart. Like, where are you from? Um. Well, I grew up in North Carolina. I was born in Seattle, but I've been here since I was two. So basically here, Triangle area-ish. Okay. And uh, when did you come here? You got here at two years old? Mm-hmm. Was it stressful for you? Like at two, did you know what was going on? No. I've actually always loved moving. I think moving's exciting. What? Well, when, when I was sixth grade, in sixth grade, uh, we actually moved back to Washington for a year um, and then moved right back. No, I love moving. I'm like a minimalist. So I love getting rid of like most of my things. Any like pending drama with anybody, you just cut it off and leave and it's done. <laughs> you don't have to tie up any loose ends. It's great. Well, minimalist moving is great, right? Because it only takes about an hour to move, two hours to move. Well, no, you have to sort through and get rid of like everything. Oh, Because just... you amass things and then just get rid of them again. Oh, so you're a minimalist when it's time to move. Like I just don't keep a lot of shit. Some of both, some of both. 
Uh, what could you never get rid of? Spoons. <laughs> <laughs> you seem like you have a lot of spoons. I seem like, you I seem have like a spoon. That's maybe. that's. I don't know what that means. I mean, I guess I like soup. I don't. Be that stew. Requires, no, I. Do, <laughs> Uh, I don't know what I could never get rid of. I probably, like, there's some keepsakes that I wouldn't want to get rid of. Like, as a, as a programmer, I have, like, a, I have my first hard drive that I just love. I don't know why. And then I have, like, a couple sticks of RAM that I'll never get rid of. Like, what does a baker hold on to? Well, I mean, I haven't been a baker forever. I... I mean, I have some cookbooks I really like, but I would probably eventually get rid of them if I didn't have space. You have Pyrex? Uh, yeah. You have like content. Were you? Did you inherit any kitchenware? Did I inherit kitchenware? Like when you moved out of your parents' house? Oh, from my parents. <clears throat> um, not really. Uh, no. My my mom has my grandma's mixer. Um. Because my mom actually really likes to bake. So I took like her cookware, but she kept the baking stuff because she actually likes to bake. Is that hereditary? Like, like, is it in your blood to bake? No, I'm actually a better cook than a baker. Okay. Ooh. What's your go-to dish? Like if Barack Obama was coming over, what would you make? <laughs> that was uh, one of my questions, Angie. Back like in the it. day. I like one of your questions. It's a good find question. Out based on her answer, what she thinks of Barack Obama. Yeah. Um, I make a pretty good... Um, a uh, risotto with like mushrooms and artichokes. Oh, vegetarian. Uh, well, I was vegetarian for like six years. We're finding out things. Okay. Yeah. I was about to say this explains a lot, but I don't know you, so that <laughs> does it doesn't apply it at might. all. Well, I was pescatarian. I I held on to fish. Okay. Okay. So, how would you describe yourself now? How would I describe myself? I mean, I think you you did a pretty good job getting baker, tutor, comedian. I don't know. Can we go back and forth doing one word each to describe you and you tell us when to stop? I'll, I'll just let you do that the whole time. <laughs> okay. Uh, giggler. <laughs> Absolutely. Bubbly. Sure. Uh, uh, cartwheeler. Not really. I'm okay. not very coordinated. Gay. Yep. You cheated. Why is that cheating? <laughs> well, I already knew. Uh, I guess I already knew that. About I mean, me. I knew that too, but I didn't know. We were oh, just... were you trying to say things that you don't know about me to guess yeah, if I they're true? We were, yeah, I thought oh, we were. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if you were a giggler before. No. Oh, but you said it after I giggled, so I assumed they hadn't processed it. Was an, yet. Oh, okay. Like, delayed reaction. Okay. Fair, fair. Okay, so um, using the words we said to describe you, like um. A gay bubbly giggler. <laughs> yeah, you. When did you come into being a gay bubbly giggler? Um, Baker. I feel like I've always been um, bubbly and giggly. I mean, I've always been gay, but I didn't always know it. I well, I came out um, fully this year. Okay. In uh, undergrad, I came out as bisexual, and then like stopped talking about it for several years, uh, and then. Earlier this year, I realized, like, no, it's just girls. Do you have a party when you come out? And I'm legit asking because I don't know. Uh, I mean, if you want to throw me one. (laughs) It sounds like such a wonderful event. Like, the song, I'm coming out, sounds like so hype and fun that I imagine coming out parties are amazing. I, I mean, I did not have a party, but I... 
I mean, it's been great. I've enjoyed it. I, I kind of used comedy to do that. Uh, the kind of the first time I said the word lesbian in public was on stage. Okay. Yeah. Did it like make it easier? Yeah, because I mean, with comedy and any kind of performance, you get to sort of frame the narrative and frame the reaction. It's like I'm telling you this thing about myself, and I'm also telling you how to feel about it and how I feel about it. And I don't have to like look you in the eye when I say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. So when you came out, like, were you nervous to come out? Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it. For different for different people. Um, some people I was, some people I wasn't. I mean, at this point, I've surrounded myself with people who, at least friend-wise, who I knew wouldn't have an issue or anything. Um, did your husband have an issue? <laughs> he sure did. <laughs> you keep using backstory, bro. <laughs> oh, are you supposed to pretend you've never met me before? I think we got to take a journey to get where you are today. But yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, he was, he was not a fan. <laughs> that revelation. When did you? When did he find out? Um. Well, I tried to tell him a few times, and uh, it, well, I mean, I was still kind of processing it. So it was like, I think, and he's like, I don't think, and I was like, okay. <laughs> so I'm imagining you knocking on his door, him opening it, and you have a series of cue cards, <laughs> like in love, actually. In love, actually. What was that, Paul Rudd? No, but you just flip it. You're like, I need to tell you something. And you drop a card. I've been thinking. Drop a card. You're nice. Drop a card. That he was nice. But Sometimes. just one word on that card. Drop a card. <laughs> I am trying to get into some ladies' pants. <laughs> I wish I'd done it that way. <laughs> I don't know. It might have went better. Yeah. So you said you came out as as bi in college, right? Uh, was that difficult? Yes, uh, which is part of why I stopped talking about it for several years. Um, so I had a girlfriend, and my friends were all fine, um, but my mom had a difficult time with it, and some other people in my life. Uh, there were some people who were like um, that I had sort of. So I grew up with a single mom. So you have a bunch of people who were like her support network, like other moms, like and stuff. And I'd grown up around their kids and they were like my siblings. And suddenly they didn't want me around their children anymore. Oh. And just got a lot of a sense from a lot of people that to live this kind of part of myself, I would have to give up a lot of things. And I wasn't in a space where I thought I wanted to do that. So I was like, well, I'm bisexual. I'll just date guys because that'll be easier. And it was until it wasn't. <laughs> that must suck, like, not just being able to be yourself and, like, people backing off because of it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It was, <laughs> it, was, it was not fun. I mean, at the time, I was like, no, this is just a different part of myself. I'm just going to not talk about this part. Just leave that over there. And now you've developed the if you don't like me, fuck you mentality? Or are you there yet? Are you? Uh, it's not fuck you. It's just like that's your own thing to deal with. Like um, I've just sort of got past the guilt and shame part. I kind of, and I don't remember where I heard it from, This, but this thing like guilt and shame is just people reminding you of things you haven't accepted about yourself. 
So when you get to the part where you accept it, then um, people's power to guilt and shame you isn't the same. I think that was a quote in Rocky Three. <laughs> Probably. I've not seen that movie, so maybe. Mr. T. It's really good. <laughs> I, I, I'm not in the same position as you, so I don't know, like, how does it feel to, like, enjoy yourself with someone and then feel guilty afterwards? Really? You've never enjoyed yourself with someone and then felt guilty afterwards, McNeil? All right, never mind. <laughs> 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 Fair enough. Sometimes I gotta check McNeil on yeah. his past behavior. <laughs> I forget. I forget. Oh man, I used to be a cheater. Oh well. <laughs> but we all, we all learn. Learned. I've accepted exactly. it about myself, exactly. and I Absolutely. no longer let people guilt or shame me about it. Yeah, high five. We're gonna we're gonna high five several times. We're gonna agree on a lot. But that is a good question. Did how what's that process like of uh did you have remorse per se? Um well so I grew up fairly conservative Christian, so just a lot of guilt around like sex of any kinds or anything like that. Did you have on a Bible belt? Like did you live in like the Bible, Heartland? I mean, I, I live here. Um Chastity belt? Well, I call it like the Bible belt. <laughs> I was confused. I was like, the Bible belt is a region of the country. It was. Um, no, nah, chastity belt is oppressive. I don't even like saying that. Like a, a lock to get into somebody's pants. That's crazy. <laughs> Shenanigans. I don't even like Robin Hood because of that. <laughs> oh, the men in tights one? Yeah. yeah. I like that movie. Um, no, just. just uh, I don't know, just kind of put on myself, like, no, it's that's a bad thing to want, especially for women, right? It's like, guys, of course, like, they're supposed to be like that, but girls aren't supposed to even think about it. Okay. So it, it didn't necessarily separate from me. Also, there's this weird sort of sense that because it's a sin, it's something everybody wants to do, but no one is supposed to do it, which is a weird message because it kind of sends the message that everyone is is gay but aren't acting on it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, that checks out. That seems right. Are we talking like tw like college age before you even started uh, getting into even like straights? You know, like second, third base? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I'm, I... I know some Catholics who didn't lose their V cards. So like their early twenties, yeah. Which is uh, I mean, I'm not gonna tell you that, but uh, I yeah, I was I was fairly relatively chaste, yeah, and very repressed. So how like how was just college in general? Just like did you enjoy the pro being in college? I loved college. I well the first two years of college, um, until I decided that I was not gonna date girls anymore um but yeah no it was because it was my first time living at, away from home i lived i went to vanderbilt university in nashville whoa yeah Whew. okay <laughs> no it was great i was around people it was cool to be smart but also everybody was also interesting i met a lot of cool people it was Didn't great Anderson cooper go there i don't know or, Did he's, he? or he's a vanderbilt He's either a Vanderbilt or he went to Vanderbilt. I'm not sure. It's one of the two. Yeah. 
But no, I, I loved I loved it. It was great. I finally felt like a well-rounded person because I really cared about my studies, but I would also like go out and had friends and had a social life and it was amazing. I loved it. Did you ever rage in college? And this is just not for the good of my <laughs> little mistakers. Don't rage. Do not. Don't do it. I just want to know like just your history. Did you ever like have a raging year? How, I mean, how do you define rage? Like, what does that mean? Uh, nonstop, like, party mode. Well, I mean, I think, like I said, it was, like, a balance. So I, I would definitely, like, party, like, a few nights a week, but also always got my studies done. Did you no, ever? No raging then. There's yeah. no balance when it comes to rage. It's but, like, well, it's like <laughs> those drinking things. at noon. <laughs> I mean, I do that now. No. <laughs> Well, so I get up at 2 a.m., so by the time it's, like, noon, it's, like, the end of my day. So Fair it's enough. not weird, I tell myself. Uh, but, no, it's, like, you can choose two, like, social life, school life, and sleep, and I just didn't choose sleep. So then you graduated, came back to North Carolina. No, I transferred uh, after my sophomore year to be closer to my uh, now husband. Soon to okay. be ex-husband. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. So it was uh it was a combo because when I realized that coming out was going poorly, at that point I was also a theater major. I was gonna be an actress. And so between both of those things, I was like, acting and dating girls, like I can't have the kind of life I wanna have and do those things. So I'm going to move back uh, to North Carolina, become a teacher, and date men. And so that's what I did. And that was a mistake. Was that your mistake? That's my mistake, yeah. Okay. How was the 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 romance? And I'm talking about like, did he swoo you off your feet? I'll be making up words sometimes. Swoo? Swoon? Swoo. I like to say I mean swoon. swoon and swoop and sweep. Those would all make sense, but swoo. Swoo is like swoo. a combination. It's like a love. Oh, of wooing. Like yeah. wooing is yeah, okay. Yeah, like swoo. swoo. Like he swoo you off your feet. You can use that now. Yeah. No. Not really. I So when I decided all of those things, I was like, I want to be this particular kind of person who gets to live this particular kind of life that everyone can approve of. Um, and he really liked the idea of the person I was trying to be and, and was very complimentary and flattering when I did conform to that sort of image. And I was like, okay, cool. He's going to be a good encouragement for me to be this type of person I want to be and I don't know it was very validating and you know codependent but it was more like that and I mean we had a lot in common we were I guess really good friends too I like to think y'all's first date he just dropped flowers on the table uh pulled out your chair like he was like so swaggerous I I've never seen your husband but I'm imagining oh no you have had... you just don't know who he is uh, but we're not going to go there. Okay. Um, <clears throat> no, we went to the mall. Okay. I was going to say swag off the charts. Swag. No, not, not really. Uh, no, we went to the mall and walked around and listened to music and at, talked. At the mall? Yes. Like one earbud? With, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, Romantic. Yeah. And then skip? No. <laughs> and then sat on a bench and talked about like our goals for the future. It was very premature and very serious. But set a tone. <laughs> so the whole time y'all were in the, I'm, I'm assuming y'all didn't get married that day. 
No. Okay. Just one. I don't know how fast no, I was. Moving. Yeah, I was still in school. It took us two years to get engaged and so then three years to get married. Okay. So this whole time, how was it moving toward a destination that deep down, um, what was it? Stephanie Stew, what was, you, what was her nickname now? Beef Stew. Beef Stew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so how was it? How was it? If you moving? want me to call you Donovan, don't okay, call fair me enough. Beef Stew anymore. <laughs> You gotta uh, work out a tit for talent. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> we can do that. Uh, how was it moving toward a goal that uh, Stephanie didn't really want to go toward deep down? I mean, at the time, I did want it because oh. having that approval from everybody else was the important thing to me. And so, and I was getting it, and it worked out for a while. It was only when I realized I couldn't be that person and didn't really want to be that person that it started breaking down. But that took a while. Okay. I don't know. I'm a people pleaser, so I'm very good at like being like, oh, you want me to be this person? Cool. Done. I kind of wonder what does it... Hmm. So if you want to be a certain type of person and you embody all of the characteristics of that type of person, aren't you that person? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> like if I mean, you're not denying something within yourself, like... Obviously, you married a dude, and it took you some time to come to terms with the fact that you wanted to come out and live that, right? Mm -hmm. But it sounds like at the time, you weren't really denying that. You just really wanted to... Does that make sense? Yeah. No, well, and I definitely felt that way at the time. Yeah. Like, I, I wouldn't have said that I'm not being true to myself. I was like, these are things that are also true about me i'm just embracing these things and going away from these things therefore i'm arguing that it wasn't a mistake did boom you, did you come on our show without a mistake <laughs> <laughs> uh i am perfect i've never made a mistake i think you were living the best life you could at the time i mean i guess i'm sorry i'm an optimist no i mean yeah i mean it's it made me who i am and it's made me Definitely appreciate um, being able to live the life I'm living now because I know how much I paid for it. Money? <laughs> well, yeah, actually, divorce is expensive. <laughs> Did you get half of his shit? Pardon? Did you get half of his shit? No. <laughs> no. You know what scares me about what you just said is that you said at the time you believed that you were moving in the right direction, right? Right. And I've been in positions in my life where I thought I was moving in the right direction. Then you, like, look at it later, and you're like, I really wasn't. So, like, how does that scare you sometimes, like, when you're moving in your current direction? Are you ever afraid, like, this is a repeat of of a 24-year-old Stephanie? Like, are you, are you, know, do you know, you? how do you know you're moving in the right direction? Oh, you don't, you don't. And yes, that's terrifying. <laughs> But I just, I don't know, just am, I think I'm more comfortable with not making 10-year plans for myself and just thinking like any decision I make, most of the decisions I make are going to be temporary and that's fine. I, I feel like there was a long period where I had this really drawn out 10-year, 20-year plan for my life. And then there were a couple of periods where I was like, well, that's the wrong plan. Let me just make a new 10-year plan. 
And I think I'm just closer to a sense of like, I don't know who I'm going to be then. I can't, I'm not going to make decisions for 30 year old Stephanie because I don't know who she is yet. You know how they used to fuck us over? Teachers, by the way, used to fuck us over. And I'm confronting you for all teachers. Okay, cool. You're representing them. Uh, what's your five year plan? What's your 10 year plan? Like, teachers used to ask that shit, teacher. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, and I mean, I think that's where I got it too, because I loved school. I was very good at school. And so I very much internalized that mindset. And I, I do think it's not that it's bad to have goals, like having goals is helpful. I think it's just making your goals flexible and making your goals more about a certain type of intention than like a specific result, less result oriented. Thank you, teacher. Okay. Um, <laughs> dexterity. It's key. Dexterity? Being, yeah. Being, being able to adjust and adapt and change. Is that, I don't think that's what dexterity means. Teacher. <laughs> dexterity? Isn't that like nimbleness? Yeah. Yeah. I guess I don't associate it with adaptability, but sure, the we'll go there. The strength of your hands is what I like to say. Is that not dexterity? Yeah, I mean it's it is like nimbleness. Like you usually you think of it as someone is very like nimble or dexterous if they're yeah, can you make very be careful like movements. Spider Man with you your like goals. <laughs> <laughs> your goals. <laughs> like Peter Parker Peter Parker or Miles or Nicolas Cage's Noir Spider Man or the Spider Pig. Any version <laughs> of Spider Man, you wanna be like him within the context of your goal making. <laughs> what did you ever incorporate like uh your own like if you andrew likes comic books i like anime like did you ever incorporate anything like that into your teaching like your own personal twist my twist um yeah I mean, she taught pie charts uh, <laughs> i yeah yeah for sure um I'm trying to think specifically. So I taught American history. Well, student teaching, I taught world history. And then I only taught for a year. I taught American history, and I had a world humanities elective. And so my world humanities elective, I could pretty much do whatever I wanted with. Um, so we got to talk about whatever I wanted to talk about. It was great. Let's put her on the spot. Can you teach me and Andrew something in like two minutes? something like, like that's history. just so vague so, uh, uh history your favorite topic in history my favorite topic in history oh um everyone's eyes are gonna glaze over uh, let's see i <laughs> my goodness let's see it's been a minute um i really loved learning about the feudal period and medieval europe uh, because it was this time period where they were completely remaking class structures and also the separation of church and state because it sort of coincided with the Reformation a little bit um, and just sort of all these misconceptions of is it, is it a top-down thing? Is it a middle-class movement? Is it really the common man reclaiming a thing? And how it really all ends up coming back to economics, um, the Black Plague and... Um, tithing and investiture and all of those things that i didn't really teach you a thing i just told you what i liked about it but <laughs> i was gonna say yeah i read uh leviathan yeah yeah about the 
That's a uh, that's Thomas Hobbes, of, right? I think so. Yeah. Where's that Burke? Head of state. I think it's Hobbes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And what was that? So do you uh, do you like knights? Have you ever seen Black Knight with? <laughs> I've seen Black Knight. Uh, Is that I mean, your favorite movie or no. I mean, the concepts of knights is so weird because, um, you know, the whole we associate them with this whole code of chivalry, but that was sort of invented later uh, because basically they were just these like rich tools who like douchebags who went around on like, like trashing towns. And then later they made up stories about themselves, how they were actually super romantic and gentlemanly and all of these things and they were really just like medieval frat bros going around trashing and robbing Jan- raping and pillaging james blunt is that the you're beautiful guy is <clears throat> yeah that, okay <laughs> they were pop stars i i get i feel like throw the tv out of the hotel really. window <laughs> i mean they they reinvented themselves over time. They so. were, okay, so they were Prince. They were Prince. <laughs> I'm just trying to find a modern. I don't insult don't insult Prince like that. I, I don't know. That's yeah. pretty cool. Um Do we need a boycott night? Like is 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 it that serious? Like, Are there we... any still around? Like you you can still go to medieval times if you want, but like uh, yeah, Paul, get the turkey legs. Paul McCartney. I mean I love Renaissance fairs. Sir Paul McCartney, uh, he's a knight. Elton John has been knighted. I mean, the aristocracy is kind of an elitist notion, but it's evolved at this point. Do we need to boycott England? Is <laughs> no, <laughs> no, England's great. Okay. I think, or they're, they're fine. Th- I don't know. They're they're fucking stuff up with Brexit a little it's bit. It's muggy. Right now, but... I don't like the weather. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant their ethics are muggy, and I was like, yes, but also the weather. Both. Both. And blood pudding? What the fuck is that? Disgusting. Hit that out of my so face. So much. Um, we just might... don't hate on um, the Scotch Irish, because then we'll have to have issues. Is that what you are? Yep. Okay. Okay. How do you bring your heritage into your everyday life? <laughs> Bam! Transition. Uh, <laughs> by drinking? No. Um. I don't know. I. Sometimes I sing folk songs to myself while I bake. <laughs> you do? Oh, sometimes. Like if no one else is there because I get there earlier than everyone else. Normally I just like blast music, but sometimes I'll sing folk songs. What gets you in the baking mood? Like I would feel <laughs> like, hmm, Kesha. I loved Kesha in undergrad. I mean, I still wow. I, I still fuck with Kesha, but that's not what gets, it's not what I play in the morning. Normally just like a lot of like Riot Ruby. Girl. What? Lil B. Oh, Lil, who's that? Wonton soup. Okay. Sorry. I'm just trying to think of food based songs. Food based songs. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, the band Cake. Uh, they're fine. Do you listen to them while baking cakes? Because that's no. a hat on. A we hat. also don't make cake. What? No. I mean, we're mostly like a whole grain bakery. Like, we mill the flour in house and make whole grain breads and sweets. That's very Scotch Irish of you. <laughs> I don't know that it is. <laughs> Sorry, my brain was occupied of trying to think of songs that have to do with food. Songs that have to do with food. Um, uh, Three Little Pigs. 
good one. Yeah, it's a great one. It's a classic. It's, Does Lemonade count? The album? The, I Sure. That's I a, mean, it's a great album. Food. Yeah. Hot it's sauce. In my bag. Sorry. <laughs> You're making this not a mistake mistake. It's <laughs> not a mistake. <laughs> um, when, what happens when you realize that you've made a mistake not a mistake? Like, do you wake up one morning like, holy shit. I don't want to be with this guy and I'm living a life I don't want to live. Like, how does that process go? It's a very long process because, I mean, we all have things that we don't like about our lives, but it doesn't, it needs to reach a certain point before you have to take, because, I mean, any change is going to come with some costs. So you get to the point where, like, the cost of staying versus the cost of leaving. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, it just it just got to a point where I was like, "This, I can't do this." Essentially, like, should I get, should I stay, or should I go? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Although that yeah. W- that was different because they were like, "Do you care about me?" Because if you care about me, then I'll stay. But it was kind of the opposite. Um, to the left, to the left. Everything you, you own in a box to the left. I'm gonna Good. ruin this quarterback's career. For the next line. <laughs> Is that how it goes? <laughs> Oh no! After after they got married, uh, oh no! I'm thinking of fucking two one two step. Oh, yeah. Ciara. Yeah. Wrong song. He actually might be MVP this year. Oh, he's doing well now. I know Um, so little about sports. (laughs) Oh, Russell Wilson. Uh, Oh, okay. I know. I know like the tiniest bit about hockey, but that's really all I got. Oh, I know nothing about hockey. Okay. So I know lots about hockey. Okay, there you go. Relativity. Um, so how do you, how do you do that? Do you, so what was the, lots of therapy? <laughs> oh, therapy, right? Therapy's great. Okay. Everybody should go to therapy. Agreed. So you're working out with your therapist, like, this is not for me. How do I traverse this? Mm-hmm. Um, how is that conversation saying to someone, like, you know, this conversation is going to hurt them. How do you go about that? I mean, it got to the point where I, I mean, it wasn't fun. Um, it sort imagine. of got to the point where, like, he could tell. Like, you can tell when someone's checked out or someone doesn't want to be there. So Start seeing Playboy magazines across the table. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like that. Um, no, just realizing that I had checked out and sort of, wasn't as hung up on like what he thought of me anymore kind of thing like I think it got to the point because I was I was kind of scared to bring it up and it got to a point um where he could kind of tell and I was like yeah you're right and there was there was drama and I left and it's good now it was bad then but it's good now I feel like leaving is fun sometimes like did you leave on a no it wasn't fun is one of the most dramatic things in my life. Did you slam the door as you left? No. Okay. I didn't know what type of drama. You're an actor, so I didn't know like Sorry. what type of drama you were talking about. Like, Did you ever turn away from him mid-sentence and continue talking like a soap opera? <laughs> no. Maybe. <laughs> I mean that I mean when you're telling someone someone that's hard, it's hard to make eye contact, but wasn't like that. No, he was very upset and it was very hard to watch. Yeah. 
That's an actress. Did you ever get the vapors? The vapors. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna. I need my swooning couch. I need to retire. Get my Epsom salts. I guess. Could you? Is it possible for you to be able to break down the process of uh, telling him, having that conversation? I guess deciding to tell him, telling him, having that conversation, and then actually leaving. Like, did you have any major epiphanies or anything that might help somebody in that type of situation today? So I think the biggest thing for me is for a long time I was looking because I knew that I was unhappy. And there was a point where I was like, well, maybe... I don't know that I'll be happy if I leave either. So maybe I'll be unhappy regardless, but I don't want to make him unhappy. So if I leave, then we'll both be unhappy. If I stay, I'll just be unhappy. Um, And then there was a point of realizing, no, I think I could actually be happy. Um, And then also the biggest thing was I was searching for someone to give me permission to leave and to make the change. I was looking for it from my therapist, from my friends, from my mother, from whoever else. And I think realizing at a certain point that no one could give me that permission. And if they did, it wouldn't mean anything. I had to, I didn't need permission. I had to decide that for myself. And that was the biggest thing for me. That's an interesting concept. Like, I feel like we all feel like sometimes we need permission Mm -hmm. to do anything instead of just being a badass and we make our own decisions. Well, especially when you're making decisions that you know is going to hurt someone, that you know are going to hurt someone. Um, you want someone to tell you that it's justified, um, especially when it feel it could feel so selfish. It's like, I'm literally prioritizing my happiness over yours. What right do I have to do that? Um, and then realizing the point, the same right that everybody else does, because we're people and we deserve to try to be happy if we can. Eh, some of us. You think some people don't deserve to be happy? No. I think there's a point of evil that you can reach that you yeah. don't deserve to be happy anymore. I mean, but that's For that's instance, circular. I think doesn't that point of evil stem from some deep unhappiness? I mean, maybe. Like if I if I were to think just like it's obviously it's an obvious obvious example and I don't mean to take things into like this dark of an area, but like if you are a comedian who sits and talks at an open mic at the bar, I don't think you deserve to be happy. <laughs> um, you know, murderers and shit like that. I believe that there's reformation for that. But comedians who talk at the bar during an open mic, especially when the room is empty of audience, <laughs> I think you're a piece of shit and uh, unforgivable. I said a chicken sandwich. I watched. All right. <laughs> what is going on right now? I mean, <laughs> are there are there people people who, jokes aside who uh, maybe don't deserve litterers? I mean, litterers. That's another one. Litterers. You throw your Wendy's out the window. What the hell? I mean, I don't think anyone's entitled to have other people sacrifice their happiness for them. Like. I don't think anyone, good or bad, like, can say to someone else, sacrifice your happiness to make me happy. I think 
everyone has the right to try and build something happy or at least adaptive for themselves, mm-hmm. adaptive and sustainable. You're a great teacher. And I, you know how I know Oh, that. I was a terrible teacher. You're so optimistic. That's why it was one of my mistakes. Yeah. Oh, that was another mistake? Yeah, no, the whole thing, like transferring back because I left Vanderbilt, which I loved, and going back in the closet was a mistake. Marrying the guy was a mistake. And becoming a teacher. I was the worst teacher. Well, you're so optimistic. Like, even talking to you right now and you telling your story, like, we've gotten people here who told their story and they tell it, not in a negative way, but they tell it like they seem saddened about it. But you you tell it in such an optimistic, learning, like I learned from it way. Like, you give me hope. Mm-hmm. Like, I would want McNeil Jr. to be taught by you. Aww. Um, But now I know you're a terrible teacher, so well, I just took that back. So <laughs> I Well, so I was terrible in the sense of me in a room full of 30 teenagers. We did not accomplish like any of the goals <laughs> I set out for. It was, I was, I'm terrible at classroom management. Just keeping 30 teenagers in line did not work out for me. I think I wanted too badly for them to like me. <laughs> Okay. And my goals for them were very much in conflict with the administrators' goals for them and their goals for themselves, and it was it was a mess. <coughs> Bless you. You already sound like my type of teacher. I, I don't I don't want structure. I want like chaos. Like I don't want the like the formal education. Like he can learn math anytime. I want you to teach him about life. I mean, and I definitely tried to do that, but it got to the point where I couldn't even make my kids feel safe from each other in the classroom because I couldn't keep them, make it a safe place between among them because they were so sort of... Kids are assholes. Yeah, and they're assholes to each other. And I wanted to be able to make my classroom a safe space and I didn't feel like I could do that. I love watching teachers break up fights. And like... I had to do that a couple like, times. When it's like the, the teacher who doesn't give a fuck and he just like throws the kid outside. He's like, don't... Don't step in my classroom, motherfucker. It's so satisfying. I couldn't really pull that off. Um, I'm a person that when I get angry, I smile because I'm uncomfortable with anger. So you're just always angry because you're always smiling. Ooh, I don't know. No. Is she? <laughs> I'm, oh, oh, I'm so nervous now. this whole time. So God. Motherfucker. No. No, if I talking about really serious or angry things, I get nervous, so I'll smile. So it's hard for me to be taken seriously, I think, when I get angry. Um, I don't Are remember. Are you as nervous as I am right now? I'm, <laughs> I'm terrified. <laughs> yeah. She is no, furious. I'm in a good mood. I'm in a good She's mood. She's been smiling this whole time. She hates us. <laughs> no. Oh, fuck. No, we're cool. For now. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, but yeah, no, for breaking up fights, I, I could sort of play the woman card and just sort of step between them. And they're like, oh, I don't, I don't want to hit you, Miss B. (laughs) When I was 16, I didn't care if it was a lady teacher. Yeah. You're still fighting? I never hit a teacher, but I definitely like, get your fucking hands off me, you bitch. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. I got, I got called a bitch on the daily. That was. Does it hurt as much when you get called a bitch every day? Build up some scars. It does when you get called it by people that you're trying to help that you care about. Um, Thanks for being on the podcast, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) 
That She's smiling, dude. Oh no, shit. <laughs> oh shit. No. That's it. That didn't feel the same. It was more like you seem really upset. You haven't been to school in a while. What's going on? Get out of my life, bitch. You don't know me. Fuck off. And like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> and like they would act because I was there and I was amenable, they were able to sort of vent their frustrations on me. And they're like, You're an authority figure, so we hate you on principle, or I hate my mom and therefore I hate you. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to help. Teenagers are the worst. So, so I had like decent one-on-one relationships with some of them, but when you get just critical mass of chaos. But okay, so the question I wanted to ask you was: you a lot of things transformed in your life. It was the uh, you realizing you wanted to get divorced. And you realizing you don't want to be a teacher. Was that like happening at the same time? Um, no. So I, I realized I didn't want to be a teacher about a year before. Well, no, a little before. And then I was a paralegal for a year and then I went to law school and then I left law school earlier this year. Did you make it to L1, L2? I, it was my first year. I was, I had finished first semester and I was coming up on second semester exams when I left. Um, I was doing really well, actually. Um, and I liked yeah. education. Yeah. V-built. V-built. Shout out to Vandy. Vandy. Um, go doors. But um, yeah, I realized I didn't want to be a lawyer. Is there a mascot a door? They're the Commodores. Oh, okay. Because uh, I... So we called them doors. Um, it was uh, Commodore like Cornelius Vanderbilt. And he was not, he gave that title to himself. He was I not like a it. Commodore in any real sense of the I word, like but it. he was rich enough that he could tell people to call him Commodore, and then they Hell did. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Is that where Lionel Richie and them got the, the name, the Commodores? Commodores? I don't know. Okay. Shit. Commodore Drew Gleasy. <laughs> it's Commodore happened. Donovan. Door Drew. Door. The Doors. <laughs> the Doors. Drew and, Drew and, Drew and Donnie. <laughs> so Drew. you were you got through that, and I guess... Was your passion fading for law? So, I mean, so when I decided I didn't want to be an actress anymore, I was sort of, this isn't a practical type of life. And no, I can't get, I won't have the kind of approval or reaction from people I want for this kind of life for myself. So I'm going to have, and so I knew I loved history. And so first that, Let's be a teacher. And then that didn't work out. I was like, well, what else can I do? I was like, law. I feel like I could do that. And I think I would have been good at it. And I was really good in law school. I got really good grades. Um, but the actual, I liked the idea of the law, but the actual practice of like a client coming in, tell me the details of your problem. This is what you can do. This is what you can't do. Um, just a lot of the actual day-to-day of it didn't sound like something I wanted. And also the culture of law and of law school is this very, and teaching is that way too, this way too. It's one of those sort of martyr type jobs where if you're not constantly like working yourself to death and miserable, you're not doing it yeah. right. And I just, I'm very amenable to that mindset because I am such like a kind of people pleaser person. And so I realized that was a really dangerous combination for me and I wasn't going to be happy with that long term. That's what I found out with accounting. Well, I used mm. to be an accounting major. 
And I used to brag about doing 60, 70 hour weeks in the office. I was like, that doesn't sound fun. Why do we glorify that? Why does that make you a better person? Because you've purposely made yourself miserable. Like, I don't get it. It's like, fuck capitalism, man. Yeah. That's the kind of history teacher. I was just trying to turn them all into little communists. I picked my majors based off of like what the actual people I wanted to be like did. Mm. I was like, oh shit. That guy fucking gets to travel around and fucking be on movie sets. Hell what yeah. did you study in college? Music for visual media at first. Wanted to score film. Mm-hmm. And then art history because I wanted to go out and excavate. Oh, cool. But. What what kind of, of art do you like the most? Um, Renaissance stuff. Yeah. Uh, I like the old technical masters. Caravaggio. Is my favorite artist. Very cool. Is that the same thing? Or y'all history, uh, knights, renaissance? Are we in yeah. the same period? Ish, yeah. Yeah, Caravaggio was early sixteenth century. Oh, see, I learned something new. Thank you, teacher. Thank you, non-teacher. We all have to work together. It takes a village. Sure. I have a question. So when you came out, did they take you out of teaching history and make you teach gym? There was only one out uh, teacher at the school I taught at, and she she did coach softball. (laughs) 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 But she was also a history teacher. (laughs) But no, Uh, no, I was not out. Uh, So a handful of my students were... um, well, the girls were, but the boys weren't, and it was weird, and um, they used a lot of slurs, and it was very uncomfortable. <laughs> I was also teaching history during um, the presidential election, um, so I got to walk into history class the next day and have a bunch of very smug, conservative teenage boys be like, how you like that, Miss B? Trump's your president now, and we can say the N-word whenever we want. I was like, no! <laughs> I forgive teenage because I remember what it's like to be. I went the other way. I was full-on, like, anarchist when I was a yeah. teenager. Yeah. And all it is is a cry for independence. I don't think that they're actually conservatives. I bet most of them change as they get older, especially in the modern world. I, I mean, I hope so. I don't know about using racial slurs, but... So yeah, they were just—they were just very hurtful to each other. No, I mean, I did. I was never like, "Oh, you're a conservative, so you're a douchebag." It was more like, "You are really mean to your classmates." You're not a douchebag yet. In four, right. if you're still this way four or five years, yeah. then you'll be in the douchebag category. Yeah. For now, you're a kid. Yeah. What was the worst thing you ever heard a student say to another student? Oh, I would not want to repeat it. I I mean, I think just the the constant slurs were pretty bad. I like I I have a potty mouth. I don't mind profanity. I let them curse. I curse in front of them, which I probably shouldn't have. Also, what slurs are we talking here? The F word, the N word. Yes. I got knocked out in the seventh grade because this kid had um, dyed his hair red, like a streak, mm-hmm. and I just like was relentless with the. The, the jokes then one day I was like uh, that's why you got period blood in your hair 
And he was like, all right, we're going to fight. So I was like, okay. So we went to the bathroom and I swung and he scooped me up and slammed me on the ground and banged my head on the floor a couple of times, put me out. And uh, I learned not to insult a man's hairstyle. Sometimes my hair is really nappy and I'm waiting for Andrew to say something. I won't. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever hear any insults that were funny that you laughed at? Uh, oh, yeah. For sure. I mean, you they're funny if they're between friends. Uh, although sometimes they'd be like, we're friends, we can say that. I'm like, please still don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just not around me. That's too much. I heard one at camp. There were two kids talking, and one of them was making fun of the other, and he was like, you're trans. Oh, by the way, that's the new thing. It's no longer calling each other gay. It's calling each other trans. Which leads me to believe that insults are just based off of whatever the current discourse is. But... Well, uh, sure, because insults are just like, you're different. Right. Uh, and that's well, bad. One of them called the other one trans, and the other person was like, so what if I am? And then the other one was like, that's the only way you could ever get pussy. And it made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I had to think about that one for a minute. I was like, I don't even know what that means. It made me laugh. <laughs> Yeah, because maybe it's so is, the, is that just like a recommendation? Like your game would be better if <laughs> it was fun. Uh, oh man, <laughs> I feel like it depends on the relationship between the people and what's meant behind it. Oh, they were just like twelve-year-olds, but yeah. I mean, I had like seventeen-year-olds, so I felt like they should have known better. Well, I don't know, or it just felt, I don't know, more threatening. So when I was teaching kids, no matter what they would say. I'm like, oh, they'll probably grow out of it. I'm not going to say anything, which is probably not good because the reason I'm matured is probably because somebody says something to me. What um, ages did you teach? Is that, uh, was that through Cub Scouts or you were a teacher? Oh, Cub Scouts. Well, I used to mentor too, okay. but I, yeah, I got kicked out of the mentoring program. <laughs> <laughs> Can we clarify why? Uh, there was a kid who was very bad. They asked me to mentor him. It was at Isaac Bear. And he used his name, huh? Did you that no, 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 it was the schools was Isaac. Bear. Oh, okay. I was I'm not, like, no, 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 I definitely didn't use his name. That's not ethical. Oh, no, 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 I didn't use his name. The, the school was Isaac Bear, and uh, they asked me to mentor him, and I was, and he started opening up to me, but I let him curse, I let him say whatever he wanted, mm -hmm. and someone reported that I let him curse, and I wasn't checking him every single time he cursed, and they brought me in they're like hey are you letting him curse i was like yeah and they're like we're gonna have to ask you to leave and i was like i mean how old was he uh 14 15 no oh, he was he was 15 because uh, he was a freshman he was a freshman or sophomore and the way Isaac bear works it was an early college mm -hmm. so they were pulling people he was really smart so they pull him and let them take college classes he didn't like it he wanted to be back with his friends started mm -hmm. learning all this stuff about him and that's why he was acting out but mm -hmm. yeah 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 we we definitely need to pick our battles yeah for sure i, I yeah exactly i felt like me trying to not oh my goodness yeah i feel like that was a very difficult part because i wanted you know my bosses to like me who were like the principals but their goals were completely off from what i wanted their most important thing was like make sure they show up to school and they don't have their phones out and find some way to pass all of them, whether they learn or not. And it was like, almost none of those are my goals. <laughs> <laughs> so how was the transition? All these things are jumbling up. You're making a lot of changes. You're still in the process. I'm juggling right now. Uh, 
You're making a lot of changes. Did did the animation help? Like, did did me juggling in front of you? Did that help you? That visualize? retroactively helped me make the transition. Yes. Okay, <laughs> nice, uh, <laughs> nice. Uh, did it help the question? Like, you you're juggling a lot of things. A lot of things are changing. Well, you didn't ask the question yet. I did not. So I don't know. It's a career. You, so you're changing your career. You're changing your lifestyle. You're changing your you're coming into a new set of wants and the type of person you want to become. It's all juggling it up, juggling. You're juggling all these things, multiple balls, no pun intended. What uh? What was the rest of the question? How was it changing so many things at once? I mean, it was just sort of a watershed because there was all this sort of built up, realizing all these decisions I'd made to please other people, to gain their approval, to make them comfortable, and finally realizing that those were not, that I was making all these decisions based on other people's values and ideas of me and who I should be. And then finally realizing, no, I, I get to make those decisions and life is better for me and for people around me to some extent when I do that, because it's more sustainable and I, when I'm doing better, I can be better for them. And so then finally going back and questioning, well, well, why do I do this? Do I do this because other people want me to or because I want to? And sort of just rehauling my entire kind of values, like what I want for myself in my life. And I don't know, once I sort of got on a roll, it's, you know, it's addictive. It's like, you mean I don't have to ask anybody? I can go like do this. <laughs> I can go to do this tomorrow. I can go do this thing and no one's gonna, and it's fine. I don't have to get anybody's permission or like feel it out with people for a while. I'm just like, no, this is a thing I want to do. This aligns with my values. I'm gonna do it. That's so cool. Like so, it's very are you, empowering. How does it feel to be empowered? Empowering? I mean, that's a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was uh, empowering is a feeling. I mean, it's. I think so. I don't know. It's 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 a lot of responsibility because. If something goes wrong, you can't be like, I was just doing what they told me to do or you told me this would work for me and it didn't. It's like, no, you you made that decision. And so whatever consequences of it are completely on you. But it's it's very freeing and it makes it easier to make decisions more quickly because you just have to check in with yourself. So as long as you have a good sense of yourself and are in good communication with yourself, it's easy to make decisions quickly. So you talk to yourself a lot. Oh, all the time. Okay, okay. They say there's signs of a genius. Oh, sure, yeah. That's why you went to Vanderbilt. Yeah. Shout out to Anderson Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> we need to look at him. That's my shoe. Um, so okay. I was talking to myself. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah. Baby. All right, McNeil, ask Com her another Com question. Commodore Gleazy is genius in the making over here. <laughs> Commodore Gleazy. <laughs> ask her another question, McNeil. Ask her another question. Um... Oh, you're freezing, McNeil. You're freezing up. You're freezing up. Can't overthink it. Oh, no. Okay, you're an so improviser, right? Don't think. Just do. You, are you on the other side of things? Do you feel like in your changes? I know you still got, you're still technically married, but do you feel like you're on the other side of things? I, oh. I mean, pardon? Congrats. Congrats. On the signage. Yeah, yeah, I filed last week. So Exciting. are you still technically married? Yeah, it's like oh, you got to wait. I take it back. Okay, well, I mean, it's still a big thing, but by the end of the year, it should all be sorted for sure. Um, but yeah, I'm, do I feel like I'm on the other side of it? I, I, I mean, I think sort of as soon as I walked out the door, I felt like 
I was on the other side of it. And it's just been sort of continual since then more and more. So that was sort of like the um, like 90 degree moment. And since then, it's been continuing in that direction. And so, yeah, there's been a lot of more changing since then because I didn't come out until a couple months after I left, actually. But how's the how's the lawn? The lawn? Yeah. How's the grass? Is it greener on the other side? Yeah. Okay, I got you. I was like, I don't, I don't know if he mows the grass. I don't go by the house anymore. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> it's all disheveled since yeah, you left. It's overgrown <laughs> vegetation. No, I'm There's sure mold he's grown a beard. I'm sure he took very good care of it. He's very fastidious. Uh, Annoying. So. <laughs> you just yeah. can't be using words like that. <laughs> like fastidious. Yeah, I'm a teacher. Uh, I tutor word. SAT words, so. <laughs> Uh, but it yes, a hundred percent. This is the best my life has ever been, and I'm really happy and great. Awesome. I'm in a great place. That's awesome. That is so awesome. I mean that. You gotta start throwing some parties, Steph. All these you, you didn't throw a party for your coming out party, <laughs> your your divorce signage party. We got to start celebrating some of these moments. I feel like a div- I thought about a divorce party, but I feel like that's kind of tacky. I feel like that. Is it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But if I but if I have a party, will you come? Yes. Okay. Um what like what should you wear at a divorce party? Like what do I bring? <laughs> do I like uh bring like I'm going to bring beef stew. <laughs> no. <laughs> just to, it's a gr- such a big great party dish like everyone get bowls up. I love beef stew. Ooh, I'm trying to think. I tried like, to make bouffe bourguignon one time, and it was just underwhelming. You just get a just fucking beef bouillon, get a couple hunks of beef, dice that shit up, potatoes, carrots, green beans, throw that in a crock pot for like 12 hours. You know, it is good in stew, Guinness. Guinness? I can't, I can't do it. No? Why? I don't do alcohol. Not even if it cooks out? Does it cook out? Yeah. I don't know. Because, I mean, you're making stew. So you're boiling. I mean, it simmers, like, but you boil it and then you simmer it. No, it's not like alcoholic stew. That would kind of be gross. That'd be dope. Let's just fucking. <laughs> you're just like, it would be dope, but I wouldn't need it. I'm just doing vodka. Vodka beef stew. Vodka stew. Yep. I'm off the wagon. It's terrible. Party at, <laughs> party at Steph's place. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm bringing the vodka. No, I'm already drunk, guys. <laughs> that was really quick. That was really quick. That's um, how low your tolerance is. You got drunk off non-alcoholic Guinness <laughs> beef stew. Oh, divorce themed, coming out themed. There's going to all your closets will be open and people can shut the door and, <laughs> <laughs> and, and come out. Surprise! Yeah, my my cat likes to hide in the closet all the time, so I'm like, hey, it's not great in there. I know you think it yeah. is. Come on out. It's better out here. Do you remember that? I went to my first pride this about, year. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. wow. Sorry, you had a thing. Do I remember the show? Oh, it was just a dumb question. There's a show on TV about remodeling people's closets or something yeah. like that. Did you ever watch that? No, but I'm aware of it. Well, I'm cutting that question out of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, don't, because I have a retort to that. Andrew, there are no such things as dumb questions. That's, I mean. Teacher, you're not going to back me up on that one? Uh, there, Okay, there are no, there are no dumb questions that are asked in earnest. 
The only questions I would actually call dumb questions are the ones that people are not earnestly asking. Would define that. Oh, just like they don't actually want the answer to the question. They're just asking it to be heard, asking it and to make people laugh or whatever. To keep us over in class. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I love those questions. I was like, you ask me a question about history, I will rant for fucking ever. Favorite historical figure. <laughs> and here we go. Um, Joan of Arc, I'm calling it. Uh, she she was definitely an interesting character. I mean, honestly, I so I would get on Decided. my historiography rant, which is we overemphasize individuals in our study of history and de-emphasize studies of um, community and systems and the cyclical nature of history. Um, that's like the whole great man theory of history. Like every important event that's happened is because some big important guy or sometimes a woman maybe did this thing and then everything changed. But that can't happen. That can't happen without groups of people and everything falling into place to make that happen. So many other people and things and events and systems had to work a certain way for that big important person to do the thing. Someone had to, to, to book the Mark Marshall Washington. Someone had to plan it all out. The, well, the, and every individual person had to show up. Exactly. Okay. Or sometimes not show up. My grandma up. was there. She's an important really? person. Yeah, she was. That's nice. a, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Do you have any pictures? No, I don't think so. I don't think she was like... Have you asked her about it? I have. She's told me a lot about it. Uh, apparently, it wasn't that... But the March on Washington wasn't that violent. Like, it, no one got attacked or really anything. No. She, well, she was surprised because her mom didn't want her to go. Oh, yeah. um, but she said it was very, it was very well done. Uh, that's the Cliff Notes version. That's awesome. She, I heard there was a bunch of, from what I've read about it, there was a bunch of sort of back and forth about who would actually be speaking, and the way some of the pictures were taken sort of emphasizes who was in charge versus who wasn't in charge, and some drama around that. Well, sort of about which which figures best fit into the respectability politics model they were going for versus. Some more inflammatory people who are maybe less politically expedient. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't didn't know that side of things. You guys know that uh, um, on one of his, I think it was his last trip uh, to the southern United States, um, uh, the, the part of the country he was in was so beautiful that it blew JFK's mind. Have you been to the to the grassy knoll or the, no, but I've the seen library? That, I've seen the Zapruder film a lot. It's on loop in my house. <laughs> that's, that's, I'm that's reading Catcher in the Rye over and over again and <laughs> oh, can we hit you with a series of rapid questions? Sure, do it. Um, packing up early before class ends, how do you feel about it? Uh, okay, because they don't have enough time to get between classes, and especially girls don't have enough time to go to the bathroom and change their tampons. Uh, inappropriate dress code. Dress code is the patriarchy and sex shaming, and it's bullshit. Uh, common core. Um over overhyped it's not really that different it's just uh, adults finding new ways to complain about how they don't know math and they're blaming it on common core and not just the fact that they don't know math cell phone use in class um the single biggest problem i dealt with 
making kids read aloud. I always hated that. I think it's an important exercise, but I had so many kids who were so upset about it that I, I for some people, it's not worth it. Parents teacher conferences. I never had any. Oh. Uh, teachers who don't have parent teacher conferences. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, porn movies set in a classroom. No, I don't know. Guidance counselors not doing as good a job preparing kids for college. Uh, I think the question is actually, the, or the, the problem is actually that they don't have the resources to do what we're asking them to do, which is true for basically everyone in education. The internet. Uh, good and bad, like every other piece of technology. Uh, uh, boots that you put on boots. with a zipper. I'm wearing some right now. Uh, high school sports. High school football. Uh. <laughs> and you just survived the first annual round of questions. <laughs> we do it once a year. <laughs> I'll be back next year. <laughs> round of questioning. Um, so the uh, the way we like to kind of end things is we like our uh, our guests to give a motivational speech. Um, have at it. Okay. Um, no one can give you permission to live the kind of life you want to live. Only you can do that. And I think the single biggest barrier to doing that is getting rid of all of the shoulds in your life. Because um, whenever you say, I should do this or I shouldn't do that, you have to think about why and where that's coming from. Because most of the time, that's you using someone else's values to, to control your own life and to preempt your own sort of happiness and fulfillmentness and a more, fulfillment a more adaptive path for your life. So take the shoulds out of your life and yeah, give yourself permission to be the badass you can be. One, I'm glad that you looked at the camera as you did it. No one's ever done that before. <laughs> I just look because I'm talking to them. Talking to them. Yeah. And then uh, two, should, should be deleted from the dictionary. It should. Um, have you have you ever heard the term that it's, uh, they call it, because it's shoulding or musting. It's like a cognitive um, dissonance, distortion, uh -huh. cognitive distortion, and they call it masturbating. Nice. I find that very f fastidious. Is, is, that, is that the word you mean? Fastidious is careful and detail-oriented. So that's a great, that was a great podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> uh, she's smiling. She's very uh, angry. <laughs> I'm so pissed off. You used fastidious work. No. Um, <laughs> I love the way that you articulated. You're verbose. Uh, oh, that was a really nice way of saying I talk too much. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. I don't know my words. I was trying to sound smart. No, no, no. You were right. I was just you're, reading into it. Your your verbose vernacular um, was articulated <laughs> articulately well. We really chartered the vast. Um, <laughs> you, don't have, you don't have to pull out your SAT parameters <laughs> of. Uh, multi-generational and historical ethics regarding not only um, a diversity within sexuality, but also looking through the sociological lens of um, educational institutions. That was beautiful. A plus, Commodore Glazy. 
Fuck yeah, I'm fastidious. <laughs> what up? That that was a good use of the word fastidious. Congratulations. We are here. I'm changing shit. your grade. I'll, I'll let you do a retest on that one. Uh, what do you want to leave the people with? Uh, Instagram handle, uh, Facebook page, uh, upcoming shows uh, five weeks from now. Uh, Facebook, I'm Stephanie Stewart Comedian. That's Stephanie with an F. And uh, Twitter at Steph L. Stewart, S-T-E-F-F-L. Stewart, the one with the W. Uh, yeah. I And I guess the comedy festival will have already happened. But it was great. And if you missed it, you're lame. <laughs> uh, she <laughs> killed her set. Like, oh, absolutely. Murdered oh. it. You uh, outsourced something outfluenced out is out-fluenced. a queer storytelling show i help with it's organized by uh christy croft who's amazing i also produce the friends of dorothy comedy show which is a stand-up and improv comedy show we do once a month with an all-queer cast and we raise money for different queer organizations each time we've done the trevor project uh, equality and see safe schools and see and it's a good time and if you're around in the Chapel Hill area, Thursdays at 11 o'clock. Come. 11 or 10, I feel like the time keeps changing. So check on the Facebook <laughs> groups to figure out when exactly it is. But one of those times, yes, I hope the host the open mic at the pit on Thursdays. Wonderfully hosted. Wonderfully, thank you. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> uh, what do you want to leave the people with, Drew Gleasy? Uh First, follow Humor and Mistakes on Instagram, humor.in.mistakes, uh, where we post pictures and videos from episodes. And uh, then you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Andrew Gleason NC and TikTok at Andrew Gleason Comedy. Uh, you can follow me on all social media platforms. I keep it McReal. Uh, Stephanie just uh, laughed hilariously at my name. Uh, you can follow me. I keep it McReal. Little mistakers. Remember, mistakes are okay. As a matter of fact, they are. What's the number word for okay? Uh, well, I mean, do you, you probably like don't a mean a bigger word? A bigger word than okay. Uh, they're they're useful. I don't know. That's not. They're useful. They are. Uh, they're acceptable. Thank they're you. adaptive. They're adaptive. Uh, they're miraculous. They're fastidious. <laughs> they're so fucking fastidious. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the podcast all the way through. If you've enjoyed this, please like and subscribe, or just let us know what we can do to improve your listening experience. Thank you, little mistakers. <laughs>